What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are back in action here on a warm Monday here in Chicago, one of the rare nice days we've had all year. Uh, and I'm joined by a man who is very familiar with the Windy City. Uh, he played here for 13 years. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer, went in in 2018. Uh, 2005 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, uh, the Defensive Rookie of the Year all the way back in 2000. And I had the privilege and the joy to grow up watching him play every Sunday here in the Windy City. Brian Erlacher, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Jack. Appreciate it, man. It's great to have you here, man. I want to start by showing you something here. <laughs> okay. Do you know what this is? Looks like a football. That's Rex Grossman's autograph. There's mine right next to it. Yes. Dude, that's a good autograph right there. That's And a then this legit. one. You know who this one is? Tommy Harris. Yep. You signed this ball for me in the Dude, year. what year was that? 2006. Because my autograph has changed since then. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten much shorter and much – it was never pretty, but it's uh, def- that, that was one of the better ones that I've had right there. That's a good one. Yeah, I'll hold this up for people to see if they're watching. I love Rex's autograph. Rex had a great autograph. That is all, a, the, all yeah. the quarterbacks do. It's, it's frustrating. It's annoying. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. I just think that they. Uh, I said you should see Jay Cutler. Have you seen Jay Cutler's autograph? Have not. Very pretty. Good. Very, uh, very like you can read his name. It's uh, it's nice. I'm just comparing it to mine, of course, but his is his is good. <laughs> well, Tommy Harris here. He signed it with his number. Whoops, uh, 91, which yep. he picked after the 91st Psalm, uh, his favorite Bible passage. So very nice. Yeah, uh, I didn't. You know, I didn't know that. That's cool. His dad was a pastor, correct? Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. yep. Now, do you remember doing an autograph signing with those two guys? No. Where were we? I, no, I'm not. That's so long ago, Jim. Kenilworth Union Church in Kenilworth, Illinois, early 2006. Man, I don't know. I'm not good at. First of all, I'm not good at remembering. That was a long time ago. That's 16 years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. The funny story about this. So my, I wasn't allowed to go because I was grounded. So, <laughs> How old were you? How about that? Let's see. 2006, I would have been 11. Oh, my gosh. You're so young. Okay. <laughs> 27 now. Yep. So I was 11 then, and I got grounded for not doing my homework. And Good. I like your parents already. <laughs> and then uh, my dad and my brother, they took this sweet, classic Wilson football, official football, got it signed for me. But they said that there was nobody at this thing. You guys were just sitting there by yourselves. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't remember. Um, maybe that's why I don't remember because there was nobody there. <laughs> it's, uh, 2006, we were good that year. Was this before or after season? Before the season, but 2005, you guys were good that year too. Yeah, we were 11. Or wait, yeah, 11 and five in 05, and then 13 and three in 2006. Yeah, and I've so this ball it sits on my shelf back here for every episode. You got a lot of stuff back there, buddy. Yeah, it's like a mini Dan Patrick show setup. He's got the whole man cave. <laughs> He's got a lot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> good starter set you got going there <laughs> thank you i also it's not here i think it's at my brother's apartment he's got the brian erlacher mcdonald's bobblehead you remember oh, the those? lead the lead paint one yes yeah. <laughs> they quit making them so they made them that year for me and anthony thomas and then they, they like out they uh they out they outlawed them after like what two months they have the, there's too much lead in the paint or something like that so they had yeah to some like them. kids were 
like licking the eating them dying. yeah <laughs> yeah no i don't think anyone died <laughs> but died, it, yeah. it wasn't good but they uh they, they, <laughs> something for the lead was too high i don't know the do you brain, have any know. of those still oh i'm sure i do somewhere i mean i dude, i got so much junk from over the not i'm sorry not junk so many things i've compiled over the years i have a storage shed that i uh I, put, I don't really display anything in my house uh, from my playing days. I mean, we've moved. We moved um, well, a year ago. We moved, so I really put all that stuff away. So, did you move from out from one state to another, or you just been living the good life out in AZ? We, we stayed in AZ. We just moved to a different house, a better location, uh, kind of closer. We were kind of far out from everything. It took us twenty minutes to get to the freeway. Uh, just, just kind of far, and we moved a little bit closer, so that not that we were far away before, but we're kind of in the middle of everything now, which is a little bit nicer and more convenient. It's a great area. I love it here, man. It's a little we're getting warm now. Yesterday was 101. Today's high 90s, but hey, man, I know the sun's going to be up every single day, so I appreciate that. It may be really hot some days, but it's going to be uh, the sun's going to be up every day. So while we're taking a trip down memory lane here, talking about my childhood, I remember in 2000, your rookie year, yeah. the first Madden game I ever played, Madden 01. Did you have that? Do you have a copy of that one? Oh, I have, yeah, I never played video games, but I have. Oh. I, I, I do have some copies of the, uh, the game, yes. Okay, so did you know that they mispronounced your name in that game? I did not know that. Well, how did they, I can't wait to hear they said it. How would you guess? Uh, Erlacher. Nope. Worse. Oh, I give up. What? <laughs> Al Michaels and John Madden were calling you Erlicker. Oh, that is even worse. You know, at the draft, <laughs> Tagliabue called me Erlacher. And with the ninth pick in the 2000 draft, the Chicago Bears select Brian Erlacher. I was like, what? I, I didn't care at the time, obviously. I was just happy to be drafted, but uh, definitely butchered my name. It's not a hard one to, but I mean, it's, it's easy to butcher because it's, the spelling's not normal. So I gotta ask you, first of all, what was your what was your thought process when you got drafted by the Bears? Because you played, I know you played a lot of defensive back in high school and college. You played some running back too in high school, right? No, what receiver? Like, receiver. I was a receiver. Yeah, running back, like situational, maybe twice a game. Um, some screw the defense up stuff, but nothing, nothing uh, legitimate. Um, I was pumped, man. Shoot, you know, I just got drafted number nine overall in the two thousand draft, so I didn't really. Honestly, I didn't care where I got drafted. You know, I grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I knew I wasn't going to go there. And it's funny, uh, Mel Kuyper, with his first mock draft when the season was over, had me going number nine to the Bears. Uh, I don't know how – it's just amazing to me how the guys can project that stuff because you don't know what teams are thinking. You don't know what their need, you know what their needs are, but you really don't know. You're all, it's all projection. So um, he had me pegged there from day one, and I was like, man, that'd be really cool to go there, but – I just, you know, uh, number seven was Arizona, and that was close to home as well. So I was actually kind of hoping to go there, but I'm glad I didn't. I'm really glad I got drafted by the Bears. Yeah, and it was a fun era of Bears football. Now, you made the move over to middle linebacker, and I know that they had you playing outside linebacker <laughs> yeah. in preseason. Did you see the <laughs> clip I sent you of Brad Culpepper talking about you, your rookie year? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I was so bad at – and I don't think Brad got there – until later in the season. He got there, like, maybe right after training camp. I was so bad, Jack. I mean, so I was – in college, I was a space guy. You know, I played 10 yards deep and just ran to the football. Um, and then they thought that the best way for me to get on the field as a rookie was be at Sam because it's the most simple position. My butt. It was hard <laughs> for me, man. I, you know, they put me on the tight end every play. I didn't really have room to run around. 
Um, and on third downs, I would play Mike. I would be our nickel third down guy, so I'd play a little bit of that. But um, I did not enjoy playing Sam. And Roosevelt, Rosie Colvin beat me out, what, two weeks into training camp. It was pretty obvious who the better Sam linebacker was, and that was Rosie. So uh, good for him. And, you know, he had, he had a, actually a great career, uh, not only with the Bears, but with the Patriots as well. Yeah. Who were you tight with early in your career? The whole – all linebackers are great. Roosevelt, Warwick, um, uh, B-Rob was great. Uh, at, not for, at first he wasn't great, but the, the more you got to know him, he was a great teammate. All, all the guys I played with early on were awesome. Uh, Jim Miller, Shane Matthews were great. Uh, Marty Booker, uh, Jim Flanagan was there in my rookie year. Mike Wells, you know, those names, you, I'm not sure if you remember those guys. I remember, I remember yeah. some, yeah. That was the beginning There's, of my football knowledge. Yeah, although Marcus Robinson was cool. Uh, James, just so many guys. Olin was there still, so Olin Krutz. Uh, just so many good dudes um, early on that I got, you know, my first couple – we had some solid, solid vets uh, my first couple years. How rough was it? I think – I can't remember which year it was, but there was a one year where you guys had to play in Champaign. Was that 2002. You know, the fans were amazing in Champaign. I'll tell you that much. They, they came out and supported us, but, you know, we played 16 row games that year. You know, we, we either traveled to Champaign on Saturday or traveled to wherever we – whether it was Green Bay, Detroit, whatever – just 16 road games because you traveled every weekend. That was tough. We started out 2-0. and We beat um, – who we beat at home? Minnesota maybe the first game of the year. Okay. And then we go to Atlanta and beat Atlanta in Atlanta. And then we're up 20-3 to at home, which is Champaign, versus New Orleans, and we lose 23-20. And that we lost eight games in a row. Uh, that was our eight-game losing streak. We were 2-8. and eight. Uh, just, just a terrible season, man. It was frustrating. Lovey coming in, did that feel like a turning point for – the team for you in any way? Well, I didn't know what to expect. Honestly, when he first got there, I had no idea what to expect. You know, he was a D coordinator. His defense was awesome. I knew that much. I won. I was excited to run his defense, but for the middle linebacker, man, it wasn't good. You know, all we did was run through. I watched his defense all those years in Tampa and then in, in uh, St. Louis and the middle linebacker in coverage who literally just turned his sprint down the middle of the field. I was like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be doing that. Um, and then we really changed his defense. They let us kind of put our input on it and what we thought would be better for our team. And we changed the whole cover two scheme. Um, it, every year it evolved. Thanks to him, coach Babbage, coach Marinelli, they would listen to our, my input, Lance's input and everyone else on defense, our input. And it, it was awesome. But the thing, the most the takeaways, that's what he preached. That's what we did. We, we took the ball away. We scored. Uh, that was his number one thing, and that's what we were really good at. So, Lovey was an assistant for Tony Dungy, one of the greats. Mm. And I know Dungy has talked a lot about not only wanting to build these guys on the football field, but also to develop good men off the field. Did yeah. you feel that Lovey carried those similar faith core values with coaches? thousand percent. You know, it, it, I never heard Lovey say a cuss word. Darn, <laughs> dang, shoot, <laughs> crap, and crud. If you got one of those words out of love, you better pay attention because something was wrong. <laughs> so it's just, just an amazing, I mean, it's in, in the football world, it's hard to do that because you, there's so many, you know, so easy not to, to open your mouth and cuss. Um, but he never did it. Um, you knew right away what his values were. He let that be known right away. Uh, and and like, he's like, you don't want to let Lovey down. He was like your dad. You know, it's like you don't want to let this dude down because he's such a good, good such a good man. And he, he, he wanted all of us to be better men as well. He, he didn't coach us. Um, let me see. He, he didn't like guys that didn't want to get better 
on and off the field, if that makes sense. He, and you can tell that by the guys they drafted. For the most part, there are some guys that are questionable. But for the most part, we had a bunch of good guys on our team when he was there. That's funny because that was the exact same thing that Brad told me about Coach Dungy. He said, he's like yeah. your dad. You don't want to let your dad down. You're exactly right, man. You do something like in a game or even the games or whatever because you're going to make mistakes. But off the field, if you made a mistake or did something that you weren't, you knew you were wrong, you're like, dang, I got to go to Lovey's office now and, and tell him or, or have a conversation about what I did that I shouldn't, I knew I shouldn't have done. You know, it's a, it's just you don't want to let the guy down. You don't want to disappoint him. <laughs> so, Lovey, he did, now he's over there in Houston. Are you excited for him with this opportunity? Yeah, excited and nervous for him. You know, I, I don't know how much talent they have. You know, I, he's a great love. He's a great coach. And you look last year on defense. He was a, they had a bunch of takeaways on defense last year. And I, uh, wherever he goes, they're going to they're gonna do that because that's the way he is. And that's just what he preaches. And, and it works. For some reason, he gets it done better than anybody else. Um, I just worry about the other side of the football. You know, I, I don't know who their quarterback is. I don't know what they got. Davis going Mills, I think. From is he Stanford. still there from last yeah. year? Okay. Um, he had some big games last year. You know, you just. I, I hope he wins. You know, their division, you, you, that division is probably wide open. And everyone's going to, you know, thinks Tennessee is going to run with, away with it every year. But I think that division is pretty open so they could compete. Who are you watching typically on Sundays these days? I honestly watch no one. Um, uh, we, I do watch games. Don't get it wrong. We live in Arizona. So whatever game is on, um, if it's a game I want to watch, we'll watch it. I don't sit around here and be like, oh, who's on today? I can't wait to watch. That's not. You know, we would typically get up. I go for a bike ride, and then it's uh, it's earlier here, which is nice. So the games start at ten or ten or eleven. It changes at some point during the season. It gets a little bit later, but we don't sit around and, and wait for games unless it's Dallas. Then I get a little excited if I get if I find we got the Dallas Cowboys on here. I get a little excited because uh, that's my team. And I grew yeah, up a still? Cowboys fan, and oh heck yeah, man, that's my squad and. They're fun to watch. You know, Dak's a great quarterback. I love Coach McCarthy. Does a good job. Good players through and through. So I like watching them. But um, other than that, man, I, I, whoever's on is, is what we watch if, if we watch it all. How about Saturdays? Same deal? Just college, whatever's yeah. on? Well, shoot, college, you got everything on, man. There's so many different um, – and it's great here because it starts at 9 and 10. So you got these games. I'll wake <laughs> up, go for a bike ride, um, and you're literally watching football all day long. And I do like to – possibly make some wagers on some games, which makes it even more fun. So, um, yeah, college football is a grace, man. It's so much fun to watch. I was out there in Phoenix in September, and I was staying at my buddy's apartment, and that Saturday was so much fun. It was just wake up at 9 o'clock. With, yes. uh, Wisconsin versus Notre Dame is on. We're cooking up breakfast. We watch that. Then we just hang out at the pool at his apartment complex and we just watch games all, TVs all over the place. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. I'm doing it wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you got what you got, but yeah, it's just, it is nice during football season to, to get that early start, man, because you know, I get excited for, for football, for, for college football. And the earlier it starts, the better it is for me because I can, like I said, I can wake up, go ride my bike and then plop my butt on the couch and watch games all day. Are you enjoying the NFL or college more these days? Um, I guess college, you know, if I had to choose one, um, there's so many rules in the NFL, they change them every year and, uh, it's still fun. They got, it's the highest level of football, obviously, but I, I the last couple of years, I, I kind of, I didn't watch it, but three years ago, I kind of quit watching. And even the year after that, I was, I kind of fell away from watching it. And the last year I started watching a little bit more, but college has always been fun to watch. Even when I played 
college was a blast to watch on Saturdays, whether we're traveling or home, you always get to the hotel and you watch games. That's what you do. You got know, guys yapping back and forth about their teams playing th that team. And it's just, uh, it's just fun. You know, the, the environment around college football is a blast. I really miss 2000s NFL because I was watching your game against the Arizona Cardinals, the Monday night game from 05 yeah, or 06. That's good sorry. Game. 06. Yeah. yeah. 06. Oh my gosh. What a great game. But you know, I've, when I watch these old games, I just enjoy them so much more. I mean, there was more physicality. Yeah. There's a little more of a balance between run and pass. Like nowadays, I feel like everyone's running the same offense. They all, It's all throwing the short passes as, as taking over the running game. You look at – I was watching something the other day. The linebackers are getting smaller and smaller because nobody really runs the football anymore. You know, there's the balance is you, you throw these little hitch screen or these little pop passes to the slot guy or – you know, you swing your back out. You throw that's they're using that to get three or four yards in the running game. So it's just a different game now. It's not as enjoyable to me to watch. It's hard to play defense now because of all the rules. Uh, if I was a DB in the NFL, it would be impossible to play defense. I mean, a corner you can't touch around to five yards. You know, and the thing that makes me mad is like they'll put a um, they'll say, okay, this year we're going to watch the refs. The, the NFL about okay, we're going to watch offensive holding this year a whole bunch. So whether it's and then you see the offensive holding penalties go up. Well, if it's not holding, don't call it. Just because they're putting an emphasis on something doesn't mean you have to call it if it's not there. Or we're going to put an emphasis on defensive holding. And you see these penalties just shoot up. I'm like, well, why are you calling it if it doesn't happen? I mean, I just the refs drive me crazy. It's not their fault. The NFL is putting an emphasis on certain things, so they have to watch it and call yeah. it when it's not there. That's the thing for me is that with the NBA and the NFL, when I grew up in the 2000s, defense won championships. NBA and back in your, when you were younger, when I was young, unbelievable. You know, those dudes battled. They got it. They, they could foul each other and not have to, you know, no one gets thrown out of a game or a flagrant in two and this and that. You could actually play basketball physical. And now it's just a three point contest. Spread the floor. You don't see big guys anymore. And that's what. Part of this thing that I like, Brian, was, and you still see it in college, a diversity of styles. So if I want to watch a Big Ten grind it out, oh. it might punt a lot, run. 12 to, yeah, <laughs> Big Ten, man. It's, uh, and those, that's what we get here early in the morning. You know that. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, I, actually, I haven't watched an NBA. I couldn't tell you that's time to watch NBA. It's been at least three or four years since I watched. So I, I don't even know what they do anymore. Uh, college, my daughter goes to KU. So this was a big season for her. Uh, Kansas won the national championship. So that was cool. College basketball is still fun to watch. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, college football, man, you could get some – you got the – like you said, the Pac-12, the, Pac the Big Ten, and then the uh, Big 12, 71-70, yeah. you might yeah. get a score. It's just SEC, you never know what you're going to get. It's just – it's crazy with all the, di the uh, different styles of these conferences. Would you do anything to change college football? Would you like a bigger playoff system? Would you, do you like the NIL stuff? I don't have any idea what the NIL stuff means, so I have no <laughs> idea. Uh, I know okay. the kids have it. Anytime these kids get a chance to make money, I'm on board with it because the NCAA makes so much money off of them. You know, they got – it's just – and these, most of these kids come from nothing. I know I came from nothing. You know, you have no money in your pocket. And you saw the quarterback from Ohio State a few years ago got suspended, what, two or three games for selling a jersey for 400 bucks. And he probably did it because he needed the money. I'm assuming, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me that these kids can't take advantage of, the, of their, their, their value. Uh, they can a little bit more now, but uh, I would like to see more playoff games just because they're fun. You know, I wish it was an eight-team eight, eight system or however they're going to do it, but 
just because they're fun. I like the way it is now. The four teams is fun as well, but um, I don't really know, man. Just the games are so fun to watch. I put together a 24-team playoff for fun last oh, wow. winter. It's too many football games. These kids are going to get beat up. Well, you have to shorten the regular season. You know, you don't like that. Well, so I like where I like the twenty-four game because well, the NCAA should love it because it's going to create more money, more money for them. You know, it's more money in their pocket, which is all they really care about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, more game, more big games is always a good thing. Here's the thing: the kind of schools that you and I went to. You went to New Mexico. I went to Valpo. I mean, Valpo is an FCS non-scholarship team, so Valpo wouldn't get in. Yeah, but the the I want to see the small conference teams. I want every get shot. champion get a chance to play. That's why I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, you, you. People always talk about the discrepancies between the conferences and how good this team is. And Let them play and let's find out. Uh, that, you know, at the NCAA tournament, you get those upsets, man. It, it's yeah. crazy. You know, fifteen versus two this year happened again. Kentucky got beat, but yeah, you just you don't know until they play. You can talk about it all you want to, but they only have to be better for that one game. You know, you can go out there any game and you never know what's going to happen. So let let them play. I like I like where you guys are on that one. Now, you mentioned that your daughter goes to Kansas. I had a former player, Kansas player, Scott Pollard. He was on the show last yeah. week. You yeah. told me that. Yeah, you, you told me that. Yep. He's a great guy. You would love him. Yes. He, he told me, though, he said last week, he said he thinks Kansas needs to join the Big Ten as soon as possible. What do you think? Stay in the Big Twelve, move over somewhere. Why go the Big Ten? So boring to watch. <laughs> I mean, I, I, nothing. No, their their games are. Just, it's like forty eight, forty six. It's um, I mean, they, they could. I mean, I, I think Kansas would do really well in the Big Ten if they did join Michigan State's in there, who I love watching as well. But yeah, I guess if they did join, they'd do really well. I just don't know why they would. I guess well, no, there's teams leaving the Big Twelve because yep. of the SEC. They're going to SEC, the Oklahoma and Texas, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, but they're not powerhouses in basketball anyway, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. Um, but you look at football-wise, maybe Kansas will have a chance to win a couple more games now. <laughs> maybe one game. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know. what I mean, he would know He would know better than I would as a former basketball player, but I, I liked him in the, uh, in the Big 12. Yeah, I think that the Big 12 is still going to be a competitive uh, – for basketball especially. Last year was probably the – this past season, I'd say it was the best – basketball conference and now you're bringing in BYU Cincinnati Houston oh I didn't know that so those are some good teams there too yeah and Houston. I think Houston's Houston, great Houston's good at football too Case they Kino. are good agreed yeah Case Keenum that's right and the uh last year they were good at, good at football that uh can't remember the correct name but they, they put up some points and basketball they're elite eight again right yeah elite so eight final four the year before that I they think compete. they're, they're going to do better than Texas I think than Texas has done the last couple of years Football and basketball wise, yeah. right? Texas, Texas to me is just—I don't know what happened to their sports. Uh, football and basketball is just kind of going the wrong direction. Who did you play with from Texas? Who played at Texas on that defense? There was somebody from Nate Vasher, little Nate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, Nate yeah. was a beast. So I think Nate had ten picks one season. Um, Two thousand five, I think little Nate had ten picks. Uh, He's a good football player. Yeah, he. Uh, we also had Blake Brockermeyer. It was a left tackle for us my rookie year. Uh, of course, we drafted Cedric Benson, number four, uh, in 2005 or whatever it was. Uh, I can't remember any other guys from, from UT. Well, and Tommy yeah. Harris, he played at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I was wondering, you could you got to text Nate, one of these, if you still are in touch with him, and just ask yeah. him what happened to Texas football. 
And nothing hurts their feelings more than asking them that question. <laughs> the guys, <laughs> they have so much pride. Those Longhorn guys, man, they uh, they don't like that question because they're they're rooting for them. And the crazy thing is, that's what so much money they have. All, you know, they've gone through a few coaches the last few years too, trying to figure out what the reason is. But I don't know. That's a good question. I, uh, I that's a good way to hurt their feelings, though, is to ask them what's, <laughs> what happens to their football team. <laughs> yeah, I saw Sam Acho the other day, um, but I didn't want to. He's a lot bigger than I am, so I didn't want to ask yeah. him that in person. <laughs> yeah, probably probably a good idea. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you have any other kids? I mean, you said four kids, <laughs> Yeah, right? I have three kids, yeah. Three kids. So three I, have a, kids. Yeah, I have a daughter who's 21, goes to KU. Uh, another daughter who's 17 and goes to Hamilton High School here in Arizona. And my son's 16 and he goes to Chandler High. So, yeah. Where's getting close seven? to getting them out of the house. Getting close. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Good and bad, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I like to find out. I'll tell you what. I, I, but hopefully, I'll get them all three off to college, and then we can figure it out. Then I think I've done my job. But, uh, yeah, my kids are awesome, man. They're, they're so much fun. It's been Being retired was the best thing to happen to me. Just, you know, I spent a lot of time with them when I played, but it's just different when you have all the free time in the world to, to do whatever you want to, travel, hang out. You know, I don't miss their stuff. It's, uh, it's just fun. So someone asked me, I was over at the school I substitute teach at, and yep. I was like, yeah, I'm going to run. I'm going to talk to Brian Urlacher in a little bit. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Brian Urlacher, no way. <laughs> and they're like, what is he up to now? I yeah. was like, well, I will ask him. But I get the impression, golf, working out, hanging yeah. out with uh, Working out is not very high on my list. You know, I, I ride my mountain bike or my road bike. I, don't, I haven't touched the weight in over two years. I just um, I don't have any games coming up. You know, I don't really need to yeah. get the bulk back on me. So I do, I do push-ups. I'll ride my bike. And then I'll do push-ups and sit-ups. I don't want to get fat. That's my number one thing. And if I, I won't change my diet, Jack. So I keep eating like crap. Um, but I uh, I ride my bike enough to, to supplement that. And I just – I golf. I fish. Um, travel a little bit. Hang out with the fam. It's nice. I'm enjoying myself. The last time you were in Chicago was when? That's a good question. I was actually there for like three hours uh, three weeks ago. I landed, went downtown, met with these people, and then went to the airport and left again. So that was, yeah, I guess three weeks ago I was there for, for a couple hours. My brother and sister live there, so I try and get back and, much, and see them as much as I can. But, but they much prefer coming here over me going there. The weather here is, <laughs> they, like I said, they know the, the weather here is going to be great, so they, they enjoy coming here. Well, if you got off at O'Hare, you saw all the billboards oh, with your dude. face on them. Yeah, I've seen those for six, seven years now. Yep. There's a bunch <laughs> of them, man. My man Jordan over at Restore likes those things. He puts them up. Um, they're funny, you know. That some of the, some of the sayings are pretty funny on them. What do they say? I never, I never actually read them. I don't read them either. I don't want, I don't want to look at them. I don't, I don't have to approve them. How about that? He just Jordan <laughs> thinks of one, and uh, and they go up. So, you know, I, I don't read them. I, I get embarrassed looking at them. And I, you know, of course, everyone when they land in Chicago, send me pictures. They're like, oh, look who I saw. Like, oh. My niece, my brother's daughter. When they're driving down the freeway, she'd be like, Uncle Brian, Uncle Brian, Uncle Brian. She's always screaming my name, so that's good. <laughs> well, it's also funny. We keep, we keep going back to Brad Culpepper. Have you gotten off the Tampa airport recently? He's got billboards everywhere. Brad does? what For what? Law firm. Ooh. No, I did not know that. So when was the last time? I couldn't tell the last time I flew to Tampa. Uh, I drove. Oh, I just flew to Tampa last year, but I didn't see his... Uh, well, it was two years ago. Anyway, yeah, I didn't pay attention, I guess. I put, you know, rental car, you got to pay attention to the road, new place, driving, don't really look at too many signs. But uh, that's great. Good for him. He yeah. was a smart guy. Very smart guy. One yeah. of the smartest D linemen I played with. You know, he, he knew 
he knew the ins and outs of, of how to play de- defensive linemen. It wasn't very big either, so he had to be a little bit smarter than everybody else. I mean, how many guys in the NFL that you you played 13 years for 13 years, right? 13, yeah. 13. How many guys did you meet that were in the same ballpark in terms of intelligence as that guy? Like how as many Brad. guys are really smart in the NFL? Well, so there's me. Um, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, you know, Nick Roach is one of the smartest guys I played with. Hunter Hillemeyer, super smart guy. Mike Brown, uh, smart guy. And Mike was the smartest football guy I played with. Uh, just super intelligent. Um, and then obviously Hunter and Nick, you know, Hunter went to Vanderbilt. Nick went to Northwestern. So pretty smart guys. Uh, I'm trying to think who else, man. Those those three right there are probably the three of the, the main ones if I had to p- pick anybody. Mike like Brown. Culpepper, obviously. Yeah. Mike Brown, when he was healthy, was so good. Dude, he was unbelievable. Man, when he – that first year he got hurt, 2004, when he – I think he tore his ACL or was Achilles maybe against uh, Green Bay. Man, he just wasn't the same after that. You know, then the next year it was the calf, and then the year after it was his ACL. Just love that dude. We were drafted the same year, and our defense wasn't the same, and he wasn't in there. You can say whatever you want to about me being on the field or D lineman. When Mike Brown wasn't on the field, our defense was totally different. Would you say he or someone else who was the next most important player on that defense besides you? Besides, I'm glad you said that. Uh, <laughs> Mike, uh, excluding Mike Brown as well. Yeah, dude, it's it, it's so hard because you know Tommy Tommy Harris was a big deal because the three technique and love. Are you talking about Lovey's defense? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the three technique and Lovey's defense was a big deal because they could wreak havoc up the field in the quarterback's face and in, in, in the run game. Um, and Tommy was the most explosive guy I've seen up front, man. That dude got off the ball. He was up the field in gaps and he defined like we all have gaps. Obviously Tommy would define exactly where he needed to fit right when the ball was snapped. It was like, bam, okay, that's, I don't need to go there, go here. So whether it was a right or wrong gap, it didn't matter to us as linebackers because Tommy made it happen so fast. Tank Johnson was great as well. Tank would get up the field and get in his gap. Um, I'm going to go a little bit. Julius Peppers was an unbelievable football player. Oh, yeah. That dude, right? And it was, this was later, obviously. Yeah. But, man, you know, 6'7", 285, 4'6", 4'7", 40. He, he was, in my opinion, the best athlete I played with. You look at the things he could do at his size, and he busted his butt every day in practice. He played hard. I just uh, – he, he was amazing. He'll be in a Hall of Fame in, in a year or two. Whenever he's eligible, he'll be a first – he should be a first. You never know with these guys, but – should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's weird. <clears throat> I don't like this Hall of Fame selection process. Don't get me started on this. You told me you want to be PG today, so I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about that right now, Jack. <laughs> I get a little mad talking about guys that should be in the Hall of Fame and guys that. Sh- Everyone who gets in deserves to be in. I'm not gonna say that because they're all great players. But Zach Thomas, to me, how is Zach Thomas not in the Hall of Fame? How is Olin Krutz not get more recognition for the Hall of Fame? Uh, Charles Tillman, how about? Look at his stats. I know he didn't make the, the Pro Bowls. Everybody looks at that Pro Bowl crap oh, like it means something. No one cares it's a popularity about the popularity contest. There, you, thank you. It's the, the, play, the fans vote on it and the players. You know who I voted for on, on other teams when I voted for the Pro Bowl? Who? Whoever was not going to put my – like say the other team had a uh, – like our, our say Olin, our center, was should be in the Pro Bowl. So I would vote for a center that I never heard of. <laughs> so, they didn't, so it didn't count against – so like – Say Dominic is who I should be voting for the kid up in uh 
uh, Detroit. I should have voted for Wyola, but I wouldn't because I know it would it would hurt Owen if I voted for him. That's how my take was. I I wanted all my teammates to get in, so I'll vote for a guy I never heard of. So it doesn't make sense, you know. It's all it's just a, like you said, popular. And then you go, and then you end up going to the uh, the GMs and the fan vote to really see who, who makes it to the to the Pro Bowl. So those never really, I never really cared about the Pro Bowl. You know, so I think I went to played in three games right when I started first started going. Then I would never go after that. And I was always hurt. <laughs> My big toe was was stubbed or something, so I couldn't go to the Pro Bowl. It's it's such a waste of time. It is so stupid. Did you? I'm curious though. You remember that show? I don't know if you were on it. Remember the ESPN had that show that was like the Battle of the Gridiron Stars. Yes. Did you go so on in, that? I went on one. Yeah, I went. There's two different ones I went on. There was one in 2000. It was right before the Super Bowl in Tampa. It's a def, it was a defensive challenge. It was me, Warren okay. Sapp, Jason Taylor, Leroy Glover. There was like six or seven of it. It was a defensive battle thing. And then there was one called the All-Stars Challenge in 2001. I went on down in um, – but this was like all kinds of different athletes. There was Herman Meyer, the downhill skier. Uh, Ray was there, Ray Lewis. Uh, I was there. Terrell Owens was in it. And Ron, Ron Dave Barber was – there was like 10 different um, ten different guys. But, yeah, the, the, the challenge things – I wish they would do that, the competitions challenge. Those are great. Those are fun for me to watch too on TV. Yeah, I was going to say – Skills look- challenge. Not only do they look f- like they're fun to watch, they look fun to participate in. And they had that show, The Battle of the Gridiron Stars, where it would be like Junior Seau and yes. I think who else? Who else was on that show? Oh, Jason Witten, he'd be another one. And it'd be like they're playing Witten dodgeball. On there. And it, they'd be so they, well, that's the Pro Bowl thing. They do the, the, the Pro Bowl challenge thing before, like on Thursday of the Pro Bowl week. Now they do the challenge, they'll have dodgeball. They'll have um, a throwing competition. They did like There's a home like, run derby on this show. They should do like six or seven different challenges. Like and let long make sure drive. Everyone, yeah, make everyone compete. Pick your best at each one. And then screw the game. The game's boring anyway. Yeah. Do they even play the game anymore? Do they yeah, play they this do. year? Sadly, yeah, I, they I, mean, do. I don't even watch. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, just do something fun like that. Because the fans like that stuff too. And then the, then the players are more available to the fans as well. You know, you, you pack the stadium, do all these skills challenges, and then no one gets hurt. Well, we talked about how we can fix the Pro Bowl. How would you? What would you do to fix the NFL? What would you change about it? Oh, uh, um, you know, I, I just like we talked about earlier. It's it's not that physical of a game anymore. You know, it's it's hard to play defense, and I understand fans want to see points. I get it. I like watching games, but there's a lot of points scored too. I did. They're more fun to watch. But it's just it's just hard to, for those guys to play defense. It's frustrating. It, it's, it makes it even more amazing when you see really good defense these days, you know, because it really doesn't exist anymore because the rules are all stacked against them. But, um, you know, I, I, the thing that makes me mad is, and even quarterbacks are starting to stand up for this as well, is like you get a D lineman who gets thrown into the quarterback by an offensive lineman, and they call a penalty on the defensive lineman for hitting them in the knees. Or you get a guy who gets a sack, it gets a roughing the passer penalty. How the hell do you get a roughing the passer for sacking the quarterback? That just there's certain things, and and quarterbacks are starting to speak out against some of these rules too, because they know that they should be protected, no doubt. That's where all the money is. I know, I know, I know how the game's played, but they still need to, you know, they're still football players, and they understand that. Who's the best Bears quarterback of the new millennium? Of the new millennium, Kyle Orton. Yeah, Kyle Orton. Yeah, Kyle Orton is the best Bears quarterback of the new millennium. Best, the best one I played with. Um, I mean, you look at. I mean, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm I'm a wins guy and a uh, a leadership guy, and Kyle to me, 
I still don't know why they traded him. I, I'm sure we still could have got Jay and just traded two first-round picks and kept Kyle as the backup. I'm sure, I mean, it's easy said now. But I wish that's what would have happened because then we would have had a really, really good backup for those games that, you know, that Jay wasn't there. Jay was great. Jay was the most talented quarterback I played with. That dude could make every throw. He was athletic. Uh, man, he, he was really talented. But Kyle, I think I played with Kyle for two or three years. I just liked the way he led our team. The, the offensive linemen respected him. Uh, the defense respected him. Our coaches respected him. Just, uh, I liked the dude. So you would have, if you were running the team, because there was a time when Grossman came back, would you have kept Orton in there starting? No, no. No. They, they, that, that, that was a good move. You know, it was Kyle's rookie year. We won, a, we won games that year because of our defense. And Coach Smith, we ran the ball. Thomas Jones and Cedric Benson had a ton of carries that year. It was the way it should have been. We protected Kyle as much as we could. And he was a rookie. I'm talking like a couple of years down the line is when he started starting for us. He was, he was Rex's backup for a couple of years. And then once he got his chance, he, he did a pretty good job for us. Uh, but, yeah, Rex was a stud. Uh, he, he should have been back in there. Rex is a gunslinger. Love that dude. There's not a lot of guys I, I didn't like, honestly. Um, Rex threw it all over the place. It was fun. Um, great attitude as well. Do you have a good relationship with Cutler? Yeah, I like Jay. Um, I, I mean, so I, I think I like him more now than I did when I played with him, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know, it was it was hard. Like during during season stuff, it's hard to get it's hard to do things. You guys they have families away from football, so you don't do a lot of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I mean looking back, I mean he he had, he was a talented guy, like I said. He just did, he made some throws. There was no throw that he could not make. He could do it all. And then in today's game, he'd be great because now the quarterbacks are running around more. And back then, they didn't really, you know, that wasn't really a big deal. So he'd be even more dangerous now. What's your funniest Jay Cutler story? Shoot, I don't even know, man. I um, I think I only played with Jay for two years, maybe three yeah. years. I don't remember. Um, I think he was 09, 2010. 09, I missed, the, I missed the whole season in 09 because of my stinking wrist. Um, 2012. Oh, here's a good story. Shoot, man, we're playing dodge. We used to play dodgeball every Saturday in the uh, in the locker room before we'd either travel where we were going or where we go downtown, stay at the hotel. We go offense against defense, and you know we'd always beat them up pretty good because we're better athletes on defense. So uh, we had better arms. So Jay's playing one day. I had my shirt off. You know, we're all in there sweat. Don't I mean it's hot in there, so I took my shirt off. Jay hits me with a dodgeball right, and I try to catch it. Hits me in the chest. I literally had a dodgeball circle in my chest <laughs> the rest of the day. I mean, he threw that ball so hard. Um, I didn't catch it. Bounced off my chest. Uh, but, and, you know, he had a good arm. Uh, I, I was proof of that with the big red mark on my chest from dodgeball that day. What has your take been on the Bears in this weird era ever since they kind of let go of all you guys? Well, since they fired Lovey. Yeah. That's when it started. Uh, it's, it's, no, it started when they fired Jerry Angelo. Jerry Angelo, started. Yeah. Jerry Angelo was a great GM. He, he knew how to put a team together. He knew how to win games. He had a, a plan, and the plan worked. You know, he was there. Uh, Jerry came in, what, 2001, 2002? And we were pretty successful when he was there through, throughout his tenure, minus the years of injuries, whatever, but everyone has those. Um, yeah, it's been weird since they fired Jerry, and then you know the, the new GM came in and thought it would be smart to fire Lovey after he goes 10-6. and six. Um, And then ever since they did that, you know, Nagy came in and did a pretty good job. They went to the playoffs two out of the four years he was there. He gets fired. Um, I, I don't know, honestly. You know, it's it's hard to tell. Um, I don't watch him that much anymore. I don't. I, just, I don't really follow that close because I'm not there, so I don't get the news on him. So I don't really know what's going on at a day to day level. Um, yeah, if they're on TV and we're not doing anything, I'll watch if they happen to be on. But I, I really don't play that close attention, honestly. So I have. I was, a... I was so turned. Sorry, I was so turned off. 
when they fired Lovey. It, it really pissed me off, man. I, uh, I, there was no reason. We were 10-6, and, and, you know, Minnesota beats Green Bay on the last day of the regular season to knock us out of the playoffs. Or Lovey Price, who knows what would have happened. I mean, when we go to the playoffs that year, you'd never know because we were a pretty good football team. We just we, – we, we lost a few games in the middle of the season there. So it, it was it was frustrating. Well, the other thing was the year before that when they fired Jerry was so strange because that was a year when Jay got hurt down the stretch. Yep. It was that weird Marion Barber game where he ran out of bounds. Like it was such a fumbled. weird year. I thought yeah. he fumbled there at Denver, which well, those happened. But yeah. we were seven and three, we ended up eight and eight. And they're saying that uh, I remember someone saying they fired him because he didn't have a good enough backup quarterback. You know, Jay gets hurt and we go one and seven without Jay. You just don't you're not you're not relying on a backup quarterback. Now these days you probably are, but back then, you know, you didn't have to have good you don't want to put money in your backup quarterback. Um so yeah, that, that that was a big knock from what I heard from people saying that Jerry didn't have a good back enough quarterback backup quarterback for Jay in case he got hurt. Of course, Jay hurts his thumb against San Diego that year. Well, the thing that is so ridiculous is people want to have a plan. They always are like, "Oh, let's fire this guy." But you yeah. got to whatever. It's easier to tear something down than to build something up. So, what are you replacing him with? And look at what they've done for the last Ugh. 10 years, just screwing around. They've been terrible. Man, those first two guys they hired after the uh, – whoever they hired to replace Jerry, I have no idea what that guy's credentials were or what his Phil qualifications Emery. were. Terrible. Terrible decision there. Got rid of, you know, a lot of guys that were core of that team for a long time. Um, and obviously got fired Lovey as well. Um, I actually like Ryan Pace. I thought Ryan did a good job. Um, you know, they, they didn't win as many games as they should have, I guess. But – my thing is players have to go out and play. You know, you can you can blame management, you can blame coaches, you can blame GMs. Players go out there and they're the ones that win the games, not the GMs, not the coaches. They go out and execute game plans. If they don't, they're going to lose that, or they make plays. That's all there is to it. You can say everything you want to about the coaches not having them ready. Players have to get themselves ready to play and execute to win games. Well, I have a Phil Emery story. You th- I think Ooh. you'll like this one. Okay, I, probably, I hope so. <laughs> so... They have that day, the day after the regular season. I think they call it Black Monday, where they're always fired. Yeah, yep. So he gets fired. This is 2015. And he does a weird, like, press conference where he says goodbye. I don't know who does a press conference when they get fired. I, I never well, hear a GM, not, not a GM, at least. Yeah. So he does a press conference. He's fired. Okay, whatever. It's like a couple days after New Year's. I'm on my winter break. So me and a couple of my friends... We just saw this. There was this Mark Wahlberg movie out called The Gambler. And good you movie. A, you like it? Yeah, it was good. Um, who's the guy from Roseanne that was in there? Uh, the husband. Uh, I can't remember. I can't, oh, oh was, yeah, 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 yeah. John Goodman. John Goodman's in it as well. Yeah, it's a good movie. So we were just the only people in this movie theater. And me. it was me and a couple of my friends. It was like, there were like five of us. And we're watching the movie. And we're just being obnoxious and cracking jokes and just kind of not taking the movie very seriously. And there's one couple in this theater. We go over to Evanston Movie Theater right here down the street. Yeah. Well, guess who that couple was? Phil Emery and his wife. Hours after that press conference, we basically ruined the movie for him. Like good job. Hours after he got fired, he ruined some. He ruined some careers. So you ruin a movie is not that bad of a deal. Or ended some careers that shouldn't have been ended. So, uh, good job. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not very fond of that guy. I, I just don't know. Like, his football IQ seems really, really low to me. 
for some reason. He doesn't seem like a guy who has a very high football IQ to be running a team. Well, what they it was a move of pride where it's like, well, I want to bring in my own guys, so I'm going to throw out these guys who've been here yep. a long time. I know that – I guess I don't exactly know how things went down with you, but I know that Briggs was another guy who – Hester didn't finish his career with the Bears. and then Charles Tillman. Peanut. Yeah, he went over and played with the Panthers. Like, I know. how on earth are you letting a guy like you who could have played longer and uh, then – you know. I, I was, I mean, I, I will, you will never know because I, you know, I, I was so banged up my last season that I didn't, I didn't play the level I should have played at. But I think I, if I'd done the rehab, I mean, having another offseason to rehab, who knows what would have happened with my knee. But um, this is the thing that really makes me mad about the Bears sometimes. Like, we'll draft guys, who well, I say we as in the Bears, draft, you know, say we get Kyle Fuller in the first round. Great draft pick, guy plays good, gets paid, cut him. Why? He's a first, you drafted him in the first round and you, you, you made good on one of your picks. You know, you got, you actually hit a first round pick, which you don't do very often. So what do you do? Then you go and cut him for no reason. You know, and then he goes to Denver and plays well. Uh, somebody else, I think mean, it's like, they don't take care of their own. You know, if you get, especially if you get a guy in the first round and you hit on him and he does well, you end up paying him and he stays six around for a few years, let him finish as a bear. It may cost you a little more and it may, you know, I just, it just, it drives me crazy because you see Pittsburgh, they do it the right way. They do things actually, like that. I'm a Steelers fan, Brian. Yeah, my wife's a Steelers fan. I, I you know, I, I like the way they run the organization. Tomlin's been there forever. Ben went out the right way. Um, Paul Amalu stayed another year. Heath, the tight end. You see their guy, their organization does that for them because they understand what those players have meant to the organization. Um, and I guess the Bears just don't care. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I, I management. I have nothing. I don't know how that works. But you know. The Bears just don't do it like that, and they're one of the most storied franchises in NFL history, and we're talking about the Steelers because the Steelers do it the right way. The Steelers are a little like the uh, St. Louis Cardinals where you got Pujols and uh-huh. Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. They all go out together after this year. They're- after yeah, all those years. Oh, well, Pujols left there. Pujols for, came what, back. Was, yeah, I saw he was back, but he, I know he left there in the middle of his career. Um, yeah, I mean – like I said, Pittsburgh does it right, man. And that's, what, five Super Bowls, six Super Bowls, something like that? A bunch. Do you guys have a relationship with the Bears since then, or did things end just so poorly that there isn't much of a relationship there anymore? Um, th- there was, I mean, you know, George took over the team. When did George become president? And George reached out to me, and I always had a good relationship with George for the most part. Uh, he was always the, the head ticket guy when I was there. He was our... You know, he distributed our tickets for us every week. And then when I left, he became, I think, was a team president, right? Um, so, yeah, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, reconnecting, I guess, after what, maybe two or three years after I retired. All the Hall of Fame stuff rolled around. They reached out. They were very good with that. And then in about, what, 2019, 20, maybe fell out a little bit again. Some things were said publicly that maybe some people didn't agree with. And then other people said things that maybe I didn't agree with. So maybe there was a little falling out there. And I really haven't spoke to him very much since I went back to a, our old our old strength coach Clyde Emmerich passed away last year and I went back to his funeral and saw some of the uh, the people still work at the Bears at the at the funeral. Who are you still tight with from your playing days? Uh, Olin, I still talk to Olin quite a bit. Uh, man, who did I see the other day? Uh, I, I honestly don't talk to that many guys to tell you the truth. Most of the guys I talk to are from other teams. Like who? <laughs> Zach, Zach Thomas is a good friend of mine. Uh, who did I just see? Um, 
man, you know, I play all these, these golf tournaments. And I see all these guys that I played against. Uh, not so much guys that were on. I talked to Hunter every once in a while, Nick Roach, uh, AAB, Alex Brown. I talked to him quite a bit. Uh, Tank Johnson lives out here by us. So not a ton of guys, but there's a few guys that I still, uh, still keep up with. Now, Olin and Peanut Tillman, I believe, have both spoken out and said that they think that the Bears should consult with former players such as them, such as you, mm-hmm. about potential hires. Uh, do you like that idea? Yeah, I mean, Olin, if you could pick Olin's mind about anything, especially hiring coaches, why wouldn't you? You know, that dude did it, was one of the best in his position for a long time. He has a lot of things to say, which I like. He's very opinionated. Um he was the same way when he played. You know, I love playing. I got to practice against the best every day. That's why I was able to get better every year because of Olin. But yeah, why not pick their brains? And if you don't like what they have to say, you don't have to listen to them, you know, but you can at least pick their brains and maybe just get a little more feedback from an outside voice than, uh, than yours. You know, after you go through all the NFL protocol rules for hiring coaches, then you can maybe get some little extra input from somebody else. So this is a question I got from a listener by the name of Tommy Mantis. And Tommy really wanted to know, you had a teammate by the name of Sam Hurd who got busted yeah. for – he had some – he was drug Alleged. dealing. So. Yeah, it was – that was 2010 or nine something like that. Yeah, like yeah. a ton of cocaine or something like that. Was that something that was really obvious to the locker room or were you guys shocked to hear about that? Yeah, no idea, man. I, what guys do away from the locker room? I mean, it's not like he's bringing the cocaine in the locker room and distributing right. it. So, no, I had no idea. I heard about it. At the facility, I, was, I think it was a Friday. It happened, and we were at the facility on Saturday, and they're like, Sam got arrested last night. I was like, what? And then you hear all these stories about what, you know, the Fed's doing this, doing that. You don't know what to believe. And then, you know, of course, Lovey pulls us in. And he's like, ah, oh, this happened. That's it. So I was shocked. You know, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know what to believe or what really happened because no one knows except Sam, honestly, and, and the people that were involved. So I saw- was, I'll, say, I'll say this. He was a good teammate. That dude busted his ass. He played hard. He practiced hard. Sorry for the A word. Uh, That's he, he PG practiced. rated. You can that say is, it. Okay, good. It's jackass, right? So, so yeah, yeah he, there you uh, go. <laughs> I mean, the dude practiced hard. He worked hard, uh, always on time. Uh, so teammate-wise, he, he was great. I had no issues with him. Bummer that that happened with him then. Feel yeah, bad for him. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah. Well, you got to make better decisions. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So who was the hardest running back to tackle? A lot of people are surprised when they ask me this question. Um, Ricky Williams, man. So Ricky was like 5'10", 240, probably ran a 4'4". He's just short. You know, I'm 6'4". I was 255 when I played. I could not get under Ricky. And I had some good games against him. He had some good games against us. But for me, he always gave us fits. We had some good collisions. But, man, he was a pain just because of his stature and size and speed, the combination. You know, I don't mind the guys that are 6'1", 6'2", 215. Uh, I, can, I can pretty much get under their chin, no problem. But Ricky it was always hard for me. To, uh, to get under. Biggest trash talker that you played against? Olin Krutz. <laughs> about, who would you play against? Olin was on my team, man. I do never <laughs> shut up. Uh, practice, I tell you what, practices were always a blast because Olin was yapping the whole time. And it keeps you, keeps you engaged in practice. Uh, there is something to trash talking in practice, when, during, especially during training camp when you're competing against the office because it gets so monotonous and boring. Every day you're going against the same guys. Unless you're competing and yapping back and forth, you're, just gonna, you're not going to get any better. <laughs> so it's nice to find someone that can kind of uh, get your competitive juices flowing. But on the uh, other teams, honestly, Jack, so I was a babysitter on the field. So I, I had to get, you know, imagine I had to get 10 guys in the huddle, get them all the call. So I'm like, all right, guys, uh, over cover two, ready, break. 
And then we break the huddle. And then I got Lance going, what was the call? <laughs> oh, yo, Lack, what was the call, Pep? And then I got Charles going, hey, what was the call? So just imagine how much little time I had to talk trash because I'm always trying to get guys the call, get in the huddle. Um, I don't even know. Aaron Rodgers was fun. Brett was fun, too, because it's more banter than trash talk, honestly. Um, not a whole lot of derogatory things, just just banter back and forth, which which I enjoyed. So, like, after a play ends, Brett Favre and you are just kind of cracking jokes with each other? Well, I wouldn't say cracking jokes, but just like, oh, that was a good hitter, or hey, or, you know, nice throw, just – just something stupid, no, nothing great. There are some things I will not say on your show because you're requesting me not to. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it was all fun. Fun banter, going back and forth, like competitive banter, but but fun. And you were a big Brett Favre fan, right? Dude, I grew up watching that dude. Um, just, and I was, like I said, I was a Cowboys fan. So they played the Cowboys every year, I feel like, in the playoffs or late in the season. And I, those games always mattered. And the dude was awesome. So he was tough as hell, never missed a game. Um, Throwing for 300 yards, rushing, running through D lineman, uh, and then I got a chance to play against him. Man, it was it was cool as hell. Now speaking of trash talkers, I happened across this clip when you did an event. It was with WWF or WWE. Oh my gosh! It was like <laughs> the the miniature. It wasn't one of those. It was like the under, like the minor leagues wrestling. Minor leagues. Yeah. Well, you picked up Johnny Fairplay and you just yeah. threw him. <laughs> Did you know Johnny Fairplay at all before that? Did no, you one, that of my, one of my buddies asked me. He was a wrestler. His name was Eric Watts. He was like, hey, will you come do this event? I was like, sure. I love wrestling. I'll go. And I didn't realize I was going to be participating. We get there. He's like, you want to do? You want to be in the show? I was like, what do I got to do? And he told me. I was like, yeah, this is like a blast. Dude, let's do it. And then I meet Johnny Fairplay before the show. I'm like, am I going to pick you up? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're like 140 pounds. So <laughs> I kind of practiced picking him up before the show. Um and then obviously we did that during the thing, but it, it was awesome. You know, I was really nervous because the football, I knew what I was doing, wrestling and, and golf, stuff like that. I'm not sure what's going to happen all the time. It's a little unpredictable for me. But, you know, I almost, when I was in the ring, the guys were throwing me back and forth off the ropes and I almost hit the rope and slipped down. You can see it if you watch it. I almost fell down. Yeah. I ended up clotheslining those two guys and then picking up fair play <laughs> and throw them out of the ring. But that was, that was fun, man. Get a chance to do stuff like that it was cool. Did you know who Johnny Fairplay was prior to that? Nope, no idea. Still don't? Still don't know who he is. Nope. He's Little guy, I know the, that much. He's, he's been on this show before. That's why I asked. Really? Yeah. So he, was he a Survivor guy or something? Yeah, like that? he or, was on Survivor. Yeah. And yeah. he lied. He told everyone that his grandma died. And so oh, everyone geez. would feel bad for him. And he almost <laughs> won the game. As so he played the game. So yeah. he, was, he, was, he was playing the game. Good for him. <laughs> he was like... It was so funny because he he had his loved one come out. They have the loved one visit, and he's like, his best friend comes out, and he's like, she died, dude. Like, that's oh, his delivery. Man, of it saying it up good. <laughs> so then he's like, it was my, either going to be my buddy or my grandma. My grandma's not here for a reason. So that everyone feels yeah. bad. He gets to – did you ever watch Survivor? Do you know how it works? I never watched it, no. Okay, so they have like – when you get down to three people – they have one challenge. The winner of that challenge picks who goes to the final two. And the last seven people who are voted out pick who wins. So okay. the woman who won this final immunity challenge and could pick between him or someone else picked the other person to go to the end solely because she was afraid that Johnny Fairplay, if he had a million dollars, he would die because he would blow through it and do drugs and do all kinds of Oh, my of gosh. <laughs> so that's why he didn't – Johnny oh, Fairplay man. being a scoundrel is why he didn't win a survivor. Uh, 
Well, at least he played the game the way he thought it should have been played. Yeah. That's funny. Because <laughs> he I, thought he would kill himself. <laughs> too rich. <laughs> no, just drink himself to death or too much wow. drugs. I don't know. But, man, that mm. guy, he's a he's a funny guy. I was, yeah, I was, he's, I he's done well, obviously. Yeah, I can't believe I, I saw that clip. I'm like, that's Johnny Fairplay. <laughs> he's throwing yeah, Johnny well, Fairplay. He was so tiny. He was so tiny. I was like, well, I have to throw you out. No problem, bro. Uh, <laughs> you, just, you don't know. I mean, you, you don't know how you're going to get a guy up there. And, you, figure, you know, it's just tough. But we managed <laughs> to get it done. Were you cons- were you scared that you might accidentally hurt somebody when you're doing that? So not hurt somebody, get hurt. So after after I did that, the Bears had a big, big. They made a big deal out of it. Jerry Angelo called me up to his office. He was like, "You can't be participating in these things. You have to sign a waiver. Now you have to go get a physical because we don't. We think you may have hurt yourself. This and that. There's no more basketball in the Walter Payton Center because of you. You know, blah blah blah. Um, they just flipped out because I did something that they didn't know I was going to do. Basically. Um, it was dumb. You know, I, I had fun. There was really very small chance of me getting hurt. Um, but I wasn't hurt. I wasn't worried about hurting anybody either. Honestly, um, fair play. They caught him. He was fine. <laughs> what was the most fun season of your career? Oh, mm, six, not even close. You know, we won 13 games. Um, we went to the Super Bowl, obviously, but man, we, we just had fun. You know, we scored on defense we scored on special teams. We scored every which way you could think of, uh, a great group of guys. Uh, we were pretty much healthy the whole season, unless except for Mike Brown getting hurt in uh, the, the the Arizona game. Mike got hurt. The Liz Frank injury, he missed the rest of the season. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that season was a blast, man. Did you guys ever consider doing your own Super Bowl shuffle? Because the no. fans wanted it. The fans yeah, wanted it. Yeah, always wanted that. Yeah, we didn't want it. We were trying to maybe not be like, you know, uh, we, we wanted to be us. We wanted to be yeah. 2006 Bears, not the – 1985 Bears. So we were, we were just kind of doing our own thing and trying to uh, maybe put some distance. Maybe we should have done one. Maybe we'd have done, we'd have done better and won the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that Cardinals game was – I watched it last night, and I had a couple of takeaways. And one of them, first of all, I can't believe Matt Leiner's career shook out the way it did because he looked he amazing good. in that game. So the first half, they, they, they did exactly what they wanted to do. They threw the ball. They threw hitches. They ran it when they had to. Second half, vanilla. They handed it off like 20-something times. They didn't do. They didn't let him try and win the game. You know, they knew what coverage we were going to be in. And the first half, they, you know, they, they knew they just they just totally went vanilla on us the second, on themselves, I should say. And then we, um, you know, we got some takeaways. And, but yeah, Matt, you, his first couple games were great, and then it just didn't work out. I don't know if he got hurt or what happened. Kind of disappeared. What changed at halftime? What changed in that fourth quarter? Did someone give? Did you pump the guys up? Is no. Man, in the NFL, you don't really need guys. To, you shouldn't need guys to pump you up, brother. But you see these guys jumping around and acting like idiots before games. If you need that to get ready to play, you're in the wrong business, man. You should. <laughs> Sunday is like a bonus day where you get to play football and not get in trouble for hitting somebody. You know, you get to go out there and play football for fun and get, and get paid for it. But at halftime, Olin was like, we're going to win this game. He goes, we're going to find a way. We're going to love you. He's like, we're going to win this game, guys. And that, that's all I remember from halftime. I don't remember the adjustments. I don't remember what – what was being said, except for Olin saying, we're going to win this game. Lovey reiterated that, and we went out, and we found a way to win the game. So you mentioned you were the babysitter of the defense. Was Olin the babysitter of the offense? (laughs) Olin was the leader of our team. How about that? Um, I mean, he he was such a smart football player. You know, you, you watch these guys, you know, you hear the quarterbacks making checks, this and that. 
it was Olin making the checks on our team. It was Olin saying, this guy, that guy, we're going to do all this, whatever. I don't know what the offensive terminology they use, but Olin was the guy who made – he just he was never unprepared. He was the most prepared guy. I, I mean, he watched film. I, I hate to watch a film, so I didn't watch a lot of film. Uh, <laughs> but Olin was always ready, always knew exactly what was going on defense, what they were trying to do, who was rolling here, rolling there. Just unreal. So he was a leader not only of our offense but our team. But you mentioned we talked a little bit about Tommy Harris earlier. Mm. I thought he was a really underrated player from that era because people remember you. They remember Briggs. They remember the corners. They remember Mm. Hester. They remember some some of the offensive guys. Tommy Harris, when he was at his peak, you've talked about it earlier, he was as dynamic and explosive of a player as you've seen at that position. Yeah, he's very underrated. You're right. And, um, you know, that it was two, he got hurt that year too, actually. 2006, Tommy ripped his hamstring off the bone. And he kind of wasn't the same after that either. You know, there was a couple, he took him probably a couple years to get right from, from that injury. But you look at that year, you know, he gets hurt in week 12. Mike Brown gets hurt in week seven. Two of our, um, in my opinion, two of the better players in the NFL, not just on our defense, but at their positions in the NFL. Um, but yeah, Tommy was so explosive, man. Um, I, I'm telling you, it didn't matter. I didn't care what gap he went in. If it was my gap or something, I didn't care because it happened so fast that we could we could make up for it. We knew where to fit off of Tommy just because it happened so quick, which makes it so much better for a defense because a decision's being made right now. So react off that decision and go where he's not. So something else I want to touch on from that year, one thing that I love that Lovey did, and honestly, I mean, I guess I'll ask you, do you remember anyone doing the – put the kickoff returner back on the field, go- the long field goal attempts before he did it with Nathan Vasher. And they did yeah, it with Hester. Nate, Nate did it in 05. Or, yeah, 05 was when Nate did it, right? Against uh, Yeah, San 05, Fran. yeah, that year. Nate yeah. ran one back against San but Fran. But before that, had you seen that much? Yeah, you know, it, it's just football. You know, if yeah. you got a guy attempting a long field goal into the wind or before halftime or, you know, whatever, you put a guy back there. I, I, I've seen it before, but they, t- people didn't have guys like we had. They didn't have Hester's, you know, even little Vash. And I think we practice that stuff, though. You know, it's not like we just go out there like, yeah. oh, we're going to put a guy back there and see what happens. Uh-uh. I mean, Coach Tobe, Coach Smith, we practice that stuff. So we would put guys back there and practice. And, you know, that little wall that Vash had to run behind, we practice that. <laughs> There's a reason that he ran this way and then went that way because we practice that stuff in practice. Um, and, you know, Hester, unbelievable returner. But And we had some special teams guys that understood how to block. They knew – how to set guys up for blocks. And it's because in practice, man, we, we busted our, we, not me, because I wasn't on special teams, but our special teams coaches had the best game plans for, uh, of, the, of anyone. And coach Tobes do the same thing now in Kansas city as well. They have great special teams there too. I just think that we don't see it as much as a team. This is me speaking out of my mouth and I could be totally yeah. wrong. I just think it's interesting because if I had a Devin Hester or a guy like that, I don't even know who the guy is now in the NFL that is that. Oh, Tyree Kill, maybe. If I had Tyree Kill yeah. on my team, any field goal, 55 or longer, I'd put him back there because then I think you could get the other coach in their head because they're going to put out their blocking unit. They're not putting out their special teams guys who are going to have to run and tackle them. Now I think maybe could you get in their head and think, okay, maybe we need to – change our personnel up a little bit overthink things or I mean, no no i mean as a field goal if you're, if you're trying to kick a field goal you put your field goal team out there you don't put oh hey they got a returner back there because then you're saying there's a our guy's gonna leave it short right yeah. 55 yard is a, is a chip shot these days these guys are just making them from yeah everywhere it's unreal 
Um, so, yeah, no, I, I don't think you're going to get some, an NFL kicker's head or NFL coach's head by putting a returner back there on a field goal. I don't think that's going to do anything <laughs> to, to kind of sway their opinion on whether or not they want to kick the field goal. I mean, you, maybe just make yourself, you may make yourself susceptible to a fake then. Yeah. You know, because you got one guy back, one, out of the, one guy out of the process of, of counting who's eligible, who's not eligible. So who knows, man? I don't, I don't know. You, you might be right. I could, I could be talking out of my ass like always. Who knows? <laughs> I was just thinking, I mean, what if – does a kicker – could that get in the guy's head? Like, oh, man, they think I'm going to kick it short. I, I don't know. It's just something I thought about when I was I, I would be surprised if the kicker day. even sees the guy back there, honestly. Yeah. I'd be shocked if he even recognizes the guys back there. Those dudes are so focused and dialed in on those little uprights that they probably don't see the guy back there. Well, with Hester, the way that he did it, the hesitation, it was so good. It was Yes, the, yeah. the, the Giants game. Yeah. Uh, you see me going like, wait, stay in, stay in, stay in. I was like, <laughs> oh, he's going. And it didn't at that point it didn't matter. He'd already out outran everyone's angle anyway. <laughs> so you still have a good relationship with New Mexico? The Lobos, yes, yeah. yeah. So my my one of my roommates from college is now the head coach for the Lobos. Oh, da- Danny Gonzalez, yeah. Danny grew up in Albuquerque, went to school at New Mexico, uh, got into coaching, was a D coordinator here at uh, ASU for a couple of years. Then the UNM hired him as their head coach two years ago. Are they in the Mountain West? We are in the Mountain West. Yes. Yeah, I think last year was a little rough. Yeah, well, it wasn't great. Uh, the year before, we did end on like a three-game win streak. The year yeah. before, the yeah. year that every uh, there was no fans at the games, but uh, we ended up we had to they had to play all their games in Vegas because New Mexico had the super strict uh, China rules, like the strictest <laughs> rules in like the world. It's crazy. So their governor kicked everyone out of state. There's no high school football, no basketball. I think they're still wearing masks in basketball games too, actually. So yeah, their governor is really doing a great job controlling everything there. Um, but, yeah, last year was a tough season for, for my Lobos, yeah. So, let's see. What else do I have here for you? Okay, I know. 2010 Bears, you guys went to the NFC Championship game. Yeah. And, you know, 06, you said that was the most fun you had. And, obviously, you went to the Super Bowl. But, for whatever reason, the 2010 team, I feel like, just doesn't get talked about as much as the 06 team. Why we do you think good. that is? Yeah, you guys, know, cause, you cause, guys may have had an even better chance. At, yeah, you, talent. We had Jay quarterback. Why? Because we didn't win that game. That's probably why they, they get, we, we get overlooked a little more than maybe we should. Uh, Aaron was good that year, you know, up in Green Bay. And you know what sucks about that, Jack, is so the last game of the season, we play at Green Bay, and Green Bay has to beat us to get in the playoffs. So Lovey's like, we're playing everybody. We're, we're going to beat them. They're not getting in the playoffs. They beat us 10-3. to 3. At Green Bay. We couldn't score more than three points against them up there. So then we come, they get all the way back to the NFC Championship game, come into Soldier Field, beat us 21-14. You know, Aaron didn't throw a touchdown in either of those two games. I think we picked him off four times in those two games, um, and we just we couldn't score against – we could not score against that defense. Our, our offense struggled mightily against them. And all three – the first time we beat them 2017 in the regular, on Monday Night Football, then they beat us 10-3, and then beat us 21-14. Very frustrating. What was the key to stopping Michael Vick? Because you guys always handled him pretty well. We did a good job. I honestly don't know. You know, we had some athletic guys on defense that could run. I think that helps. And our D linemen were – we had super athletic D lines. You know, every time – we beat them. Uh, in 2 we beat them in Atlanta. And then we played them in 5 at Soldier Field. Remember the freezing game on Sunday night? 2010, Philly. 11, Philly. We beat them again. We just had disciplined guys. You know, our D linemen understood – keep this guy in the pocket. And then when he ran, 
who's running to me, Lance, Nick Roach, Hunter. We got some guys that can run at linebackers. So we just did a good job of tracking them down. 2010 was such an exciting time for me because I thought my two favorite teams were going to play in the Super Bowl. I thought it was going to be Steelers, Steelers and Bears. Yeah. That would Steelers been like and Christmas Packers, morning. yeah. <laughs> I, <would've> been, <laughs> I mean, I would not have been mad if we had that matchup, I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah, we, um, we just could not get it done that year. It's frustrating. I mean, I, I, I do think you guys would have beaten the Steelers. if you. I gotten. agree with you, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think you look at uh, – I say that. So their defense is they, – they did a lot of things on defense that would, and our offense was not great that year. You know, we, we ran the ball pretty good, but, you know, we did give up – I think we got sacked 10 times against the Giants that year in, in one game. Um, so, you know, what they did really well was pressure the quarterback. So we, we may have had a hard time. Defensively, I think we'd have been okay. But offensively, we may, we may have had some issues. Brian, do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? I do not, no. No, you don't? No, I, I've, I've seen clips of it. It's funny. It's Larry David, right? Yeah, Larry David. Yeah, yeah, he's a funny guy. But I don't, I don't like sit down and watch the show. I think I have an idea of how we could get you on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. What's your idea? I think what we got to do, we got to pitch this to somebody. I don't know if you know anyone in Hollywood, your agent's got somebody. Nope, not anymore. <laughs> we'll just make this clip go viral. That's what we'll do. Okay. Yes, there you go. The idea is Larry David, Jeff Garland, by the way. Do you ever meet Jeff Garland? He was a I met Jeff guy. when I did Family Feud uh, like three or four years ago. We did Family Feud. We did the Hall of Fame versus uh, the current NFL players. And he was doing a show right after ours. So I met him right there at the Family Feud little cross-through place. Nice guy. Funny guy. And he's probably a big fan of yours. He said he was. He might not be. I, don't know. I mean, you know, everyone says that, but I see you. You never yeah. know. Well, he's a Chicago <laughs> yeah. guy. He's a big he is. Chicago yes, he guy. is. Yep. So I think what we got to do is early in the episode, Jeff Garland is watching an old Bears game on his TV. He's watching you guys. He's watching. Let's say he's watching the Cardinals game Monday night. Okay. He's watching mm -hmm. that. And then they start talking about, ooh, Brian Erlacher, man, that guy's great. He can, and Larry David says something, he can really rock a bald head. <laughs> then they, yeah. later, you run into him, you're wearing your hat that you're wearing right now, and you yep. take your hat off, and he finds out that you have hair. And Larry oh, bro, look David, at my hair right now. Look how messy my hair is right now. But Speaking it's hair. of hair, I need it's a haircut hair. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got, a, I got a power muff, bro. I need it. My wife needs to cut it. To, we have a haircut planned tonight. Look at this thing. Just going every which direction. It's, yeah, it's, bad. it's better than no hair. Agreed. I, yeah. I do enjoy having the opportunity to have hair now. It's exciting. So Larry finds out that you have hair, and he confronts you, and he's like, how could you leave the brotherhood? <laughs> yeah. That's an episode you know, I, of Curb right there. That's Come pretty on. good. Is that so – are they still running that show? Yeah. They, they, they still make new episodes? They make it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I haven't, I haven't heard anything about it in a while. They did a season last year. Last they fall. did okay, good. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah. Oh, Larry David's a funny dude, man. He's hilarious. You yeah, seem he's like, a funny guy. Even though you don't watch Curb, you seem like a guy who's pretty you watch a lot of movies. Did I mention the game? Yeah, like, huge, oh yeah, I remember the game. Huge like, movie guy. Huge movie guy. Love movies. Uh even even shows, you know. I I I I don't watch it on the regular, your show you just talked about, the uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I have seen episodes of it. I just don't it's not one of my go-tos. Okay. What are the what are your go-tos? Oh, Naked and Afraid. Um, Bering Sea Gold, Gold Rush, um, Billions, um, Ozark. What's the one that? Oh, Yellowstone. Duh. Yellowstone, That's my favorite show yeah. ever. Yellowstone's unbelievable. Uh, and then, of course, there, there was Game of Bad. Thrones. 
You haven't seen Yellowstone? I heard it's like Breaking Bad in like the best scenery in, in like a Montana, right? Uh, yeah, it's not. No, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. I watched Breaking Bad too. It took place in Albuquerque, but Yellowstone's better. Yeah. Breaking Bad's great. Don't get me wrong, but Yellowstone's better. Yellowstone. Great show, man. Stressful. So, I don't watch a whole lot of shows, honestly, because I'm watching sports most of the time. Like I'm watching like really? two baseball games a night. So I'm the opposite of you. I'm I'm not watching sports. I'm watching shows now. <laughs> <laughs> we are the exact opposite. I'm, I'm addicted to uh, to Naked and Afraid, and all those shows on uh, Discovery Channel are great. Uh, Deadliest Catch, King Crab Fishing. I just those shows are. I've been watching those shows for years. If you had to go on a reality TV show, what would it be? That's a good question. Um, dang, Jack. Good so I'll question, give you some dude. shows like the mainstream okay. ones. You got like Survivor, Big Brother, Amazing Race. You could run the Amazing Race with one of your former no. teammates. I've never you know? seen any of those. I've never seen any of those shows. Um, you go on Naked and Afraid. I want to go on Swim Trunks and Afraid. How about that? <laughs> How about I get to wear swim trunks and everyone else gets to be naked? But I want to. I'm going to go on Swim Trunks and Afraid and uh, try and. Dude, I would be so moody because. If I don't eat, I get really, really pissy. So I would not be good on that show. I think I could survive, but I got to find food right away. I got me <laughs> and my partner better freaking find some shelter. We need to build you up, but we got to get food immediately and water. Scott Pollard did 30 days on Survivor at six foot 11. That's pretty okay. remarkable. Like, that's is it? Yeah, I think to be. Well, I don't a watch Survivor. That, I don't know what the premise is. I don't know if they like, give them food or if they have to fend for themselves. Or they have to fend works. for themselves. There's no food. There's nothing around. Is it like being on Naked and Afraid where they give them nothing to get the food with? It's just they on have, your own? They have ri- rations of rice. That's it. And they, oh, can go they, and catch, they can go catch chickens or go fishing. They mainly fish. Yeah, that's what they're saying. The Naked and Afraid is pretty much yeah. the same way. Lots of fishing. Yeah. yeah. So you, you think no you can handle that? I would love to try. Honestly, you know, I, these shows are, are amazing. Oh, another good show is A Life Below Zero. Really Life below show. zero. That sounds like another Ooh. one. Alaskan show survive. Alaskan. Yeah. Alaskan Life Below. It's great movie. Just there's so many good shows, man. Always Were something you- on. <laughs> Were you watching the draft? No. No. No, don't watch that stuff really. So you just watch Saturday, Sundays, that's it? Yeah, nothing that's about else? it, man. Not really. I mean, Monday, if it's on, you know, if there's nothing yeah. else on TV, we'll watch it on Monday nights. Uh, I love it during the season. College, they got Mac Maction on Tuesday, Wednesday nights. That's a big deal. I like watching the Maction games for the Mac there. Uh, Thursday night football when it's on. Uh, and then for Friday nights, we have high school football, so it's great. When you played here in Chicago, where'd you live? I lived in Libertyville area, Vernon Hills, uh, like five minutes from the facility. It was perfect. Is that where most Bears guys live? So when I play, that's where most guys live. Now I think a lot of guys live downtown. They're kind of like that, you know, up-tempo lifestyle. I, from what I hear, a lot of guys get further south. But I, I really enjoyed living in that area, man. We had had a nice place back there in the woods. Um, no one really knew where I lived. It was great. Yeah, I know some of the guys are around Glencoe, Winneka, like around here. Actually, yeah. Gary Wood still lives around here. Does he? Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, great area. You know, Winnetka's awesome. The whole Willamette, all that area is nice. But we, I just wanted to be as close to the facility as I could be. Yeah. You know, the less time in the car was always a good thing for me. Well, people will see Bears players around the suburbs. No one ever sees Cubs players. The Cubs players all live in Wrigleyville, I think. Oh, they do? Oh. That'd be my guess. They're in the city, for sure. And Sox players yeah, are I mean, somewhere south. 
Yeah, it just makes sense, you know, especially with the traffic in Chicago, to be closer to where you work. So you're not sitting in the car. You're not, you know, worried about being late all the time because you're going to get stuck in traffic. It just, you know, makes sense for, for those guys to live closer. Was there a little bit, going back to when you played in the 2000s, was there a little bit of like an athlete bubble? Like, did were you friends with anybody from the Cubs, the White Sox, Bulls? Not really, man. I hardly ever saw those guys anywhere. Um, good friends with Jeremy Roenick now, but I didn't know Jr. when I played. Um, I don't even know if he was there when I played. No, he wasn't. I think. But I didn't watch. Ho- I didn't. I didn't watch hockey anyway, so it didn't matter. Uh, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> um, Bulls, no. Uh, baseball, not really. No, I man. I didn't really. I didn't really run any of those guys or. Or see him out, and if we would, we'd, 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 we'd you know we'd exchange pleasantries, but we really didn't. I didn't really hang out with any of those guys. Is there? Uh, how would you describe Chicago as a sports town to someone who's never been here? Amazing. Our fans are from, from a football perspective, the best fans. You know, the, uh, it didn't matter how bad we were, and we had some crappy, crappy seasons. Man, um, we just go through them. Our fans didn't care; they were there no matter what. Those games are cold 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 in the winter and they were always there always rooting for us uh cannot say enough about that but pretty knowledgeable as well you know they knew when to cheer when not to cheer um but they they're devoted man they love they love the bears uh the other sports are the same way i'm sure but uh i know when it came to us they were they were pretty crazy i think it's baseball and football right now i think they go crazy for the cubs the white Sox, and the bears and the bulls mm. interest has really faded since the jordan has it there was oh, a yeah, nice, I mean, my, there was a nice like revival with Derrick Rose, but ever since they traded yeah. him, I think people don't care about the Bulls the way they used to. And the Blackhawks, when they're good, people are in the Blackhawks. Yeah. But it's been a are little they good. Not right now. They're not good right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I really. So I grew, I grew up in New Mexico, so we didn't have hockey where I grew up. So when I got there, people were like, "Oh, you, you're gonna be here at the Black Blackhawks?" I'm like, "Great, what's that?" They're like, "Oh, it's our <laughs> hockey team." I'm like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm really." Uh, and I, and they, I think they were good when we when I lived there. They were pretty good from what I from oh, what they I remember. Were. Um, I just don't – I never had any interest in going to a game or watching or just wasn't my thing, man. What Did they ever try to twist your arm and have you throw out a first pitch or something? I threw out a first pitch Wrigley? at a Cubs game. I did that early on in my – like my first year, second year, I did that a couple times and then blah. And I grew up a Cubs fan, by the way. Oh, WGN. really? WGN. Uh, it was WGN and TBS in the summer. You know, they were on every day. Uh, so it was the Cubs and the Braves. Those are my two teams. Were you watching when they won the World Series? Yes. My, so my daughter, my middle daughter, loves the Cubs. So we're watching, and it's something ha- – I want to say the Indians went up or, or something happened during the – late in the game. Like, was it game six or seven? I don't, I don't game remember. Game seven, the, rain delay. Game se- yeah, something happened. Like, they hit a home run or something. It yeah. was a big, big play, and she was like mm, – she almost started crying. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's really into this. And then, obviously, the Cubs ended up winning the game, but it was – Fun to watch her kind of go through those emotions of her favorite team winning because she's, she's a big Cubs, Cubs fan. Yeah, that was an emotional night for me, Brian. That was uh, – Was it? Yeah, Rajay Davis. I mean, 100 years. Yep, and Rajay Davis hits the big – it was a three-home run to tie the game. They were up five runs, six runs, and – That's what it was. They came yeah. back on him, yes. And it's just like, here we go again. This is life as a Cubs fan. It's, it's going to happen cursed. again. Cursed. And then the rain delay kind of w- washes everybody clean. They get a nice little reset. They come out and they win. And I still, I still can't believe it happened. I still, it's still like I can't believe that happened. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. I was watching. I was like, they, they finally won. I can't believe they won. Most exciting moment for you as a fan of a team. 
Good question. Man, you, you got some stumpers here, bro. Uh, most <laughs> Hopefully you're having fan. fun. Yeah, I'm trying to think of this one. Shoot, man. Um, I don't know. That's, that's impossible. I mean, uh, well, gosh. who are your teams? Let's start. Let's go through that. Okay. Uh, Cowboys. That's it. New Cowboys, Mexico, the, lo- the, lo- the Lobos and the Cowboys. You liked the Cubs when you were younger, but not really. When I was really. younger, I liked them. Yeah, I'm kind of swayed away from that. Don't. Oh, the Braves. I, I was a lot happy to see the Braves won the World Series. Uh, yeah. Whenever they won that recently. Last year. Uh, yeah, that. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's tough. I don't know. <laughs> What's I, I, I'm not like a I'm not like a super fan, so it's kind of hard to uh, to have a moment. What's something about yourself that would surprise people who don't know you? Hmm. Well, I don't know if this is a surprise. I'm pretty competitive at everything I do, whether it's <laughs> like I don't let my kids win anything. If we're competing, I'm trying to, but whether it's horse, ping pong, uh, bags, I'm trying to win. I don't give a hell what we're playing for or what the circumstances <laughs> If they beat me, it's because they beat me, not because I let them win. So I am um, very competitive at everything. Who is the craziest guy that you played with, craziest teammate? Craziest? Like a Ooh. guy that would be scary when you get out of that football field. Dusty Dvorak was pretty intense. Dusty was a good teammate. He he was uh you know he had the long hair and the tattoos, but he would paint, put eye black all over his face. <laughs> he he looked the part, man. He looked like Latimer from uh, the program. Uh, so Dusty was pretty intense, and, and he was pretty vocal out there as well. And he played with Tommy at OU too. They did, yes. Yeah, yep. that's a pretty good D line right there. Yeah, did they? Was there ever anything going? Were they going back and forth with Vasher at all, or the Texas guys? Well, they may have been. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they did. You know, the, the, that game week, you know, when they play each other, uh, I'm sure there was some trash talking and some wagers being made during the uh, during the week. Favorite movie or movies? Because you mentioned movies. Dude, just, movie yeah, you, movies. Okay, here we go. On my iPad, we have Braveheart. We have The Last Samurai, Gladiator, Old School. Old School. Oh, wedding, my gosh. What a great Wedding movie. Crashers. Wedding Crashers. Um, Silver Linings Playbook. Great pick. That is great a movie. great movie. Great movie. I'm leaving something out too, man. You, you really put me on the spot because I, I can name 50. Honestly, there's so <laughs> many movies that really get me excited. Um, Shawshank Redemption, whenever it's on TV, I cannot change it. It's unbelievable. Um, Silver Lang's playbook, what I love about that movie is how they incorporate the real Eagles in Philly season yeah, how about into that? the story. It's so good. It's good. How about Chasing Mavericks? Another one of my favorites. Haven't seen that one. Oh, you got to watch it, man. Gerard okay. Butler. It's about it's a surfing movie, but it's way beyond surfing. surfing. I like that. Uh, but it's not really not about surfing. It's about something else. It's a it's a great movie. Uh, it's old too. Uh, it's based on a true story as well. Um, dude, there's so many good movies. Horrible Bosses is a great one. It's on my iPad. Yeah. Saving Saving Private Ryan. Love Saving Classic. Private Ryan. Forrest Gump's on my iPad too. Oh, uh, I mean, movie. I can I can go on and on, man. I, I'm a movie <laughs> guy, like I said. I can go on and on. Uh, Scarface, love that one. So yeah, I got a bunch. Heat, okay. you ever seen Heat? Have not seen Heat. Oh man, well you're young. You probably probably I, uh, casino. Like I said, Brian, I just Goodfellas. Oh, I watched. Uh, yeah, Goodfellas is me and my dad. That's one of our favorite movies. Goodfellas, Great movie. The Departed. Departed. That's also on my thing. Good one. Yeah, watch that too. That's a great. There's so many good ones, man. Uh, Rounders. Um, just, just a, a ton of them. I love movies. I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's good. Yep. Oh, it's so good. Okay, 
we're talking about those accents that are so oh here's a good one for you. the town that's oh my gosh what a great that's movie. legit stressful movie oh my goodness whose car are we gonna take <laughs> Who's I, I gotta i get you can never tell anybody uh, you can never tell anyone you can never ask me about it Who's Kyle we going to take? <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy Renner is the best, the best comeback ever. Who's Kyle we going to take? I love it. Um, well, I know you did a little bit of acting. You were on an episode of According <laughs> to Jim, right? Yeah. Yeah. How was that? 2001. That was fun. Uh, Jim Belushi's the man. It was fun. It, made me, it really made me feel comfortable because when I'm 22 years old. I was stressed out. I'd never done anything like this before. I met, you know, all these actors around me. Didn't know what was going on, but Jim was awesome. So cool to be around, and obviously Chicago guy, so that was cool as well. Do you have a good Jim Belushi story from off camera? I, I don't remember any of it. It was two thousand one, uh, like yeah, I said. I don't mean, dude. I was so nervous the whole time. I didn't want to screw up um, any other stuff, so I was just trying to do exactly what they told me to do the whole time. So Belushi, Bill Murray, Jeff Garland, Vince Vaughn, a lot of yep. Chicago area guys. I'm sure you've met many of them over the years. Who was the biggest fan? Who's was anyone like? Oh my gosh, Brian Urlacher, Garland. Garland was awesome because I didn't I didn't recognize him right away as I'm we're, we're kind of crossing and I didn't know that they were filming a show right after ours. And he was like Brian Urlacher. I was like, what's up? He's like Jeff Garland. I was like, oh dude, well I know who you are. And then we kind of hit it off. But I, you know, I met Bill Bill Murray. I've I've met uh, I've been around Vince a couple times. Um, like I said, Belushi back in the day. But yeah, uh, Ashton Kutcher is a, a pretty big. He's not a Chicago guy, but he's a pretty big Bears fan. I've been around him a couple of times, but yeah, Gar- Garland was pretty solid with his, uh, just like, Hey, Brian, he, he was fun. <laughs> oh, I love him. He's great. He's funny. Man, Brian, this was so much fun. I feel like we were able to cover so much and you were scared that we were going to have to fill a whole two hours. You <laughs> well, you scared me with your, oh, it's two to four. Okay. I'm like, two to four. We're going to talk about it for two hours, dude. <laughs> and then we've been on for an hour and a half already. And we've done a pretty good, my, my jaw's getting sore from, from yapping, but you did a good job. You kept oh, me busy the whole you. time. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, Brian, I want to give you a chance to plug anything uh, that or promote anything that you're working on. So you want to throw out your social media handle, anything like that? I don't even know what my social media handle is, bro. But yeah, good you times on your show. put it in there at the bottom. It's B Erlacher at B Erlacher 54. I didn't put that. anything in. I didn't put anything that. in. My wife probably did it because I'm not good at doing anything <laughs> that has to do with um, computers or any of that stuff. So she probably, it's probably plugged in for my StreamYard thing is what it is. Uh, okay, so you yeah. used StreamYard before. Yeah, oh, dude, during the uh, the pandemic, like we did um, uh, StreamYard, Zoom, all that crap. Everyone was using everything. So yeah, I, I did like, a bunch of that stuff. I feel like people are always like, "What's the Streamyard?" It looks like Zoom. So annoying. The first time I used it, I could not get my volume to work, and I was just like going back and forth with this guy forever, and I just gave up. I was so mad. <laughs> you just but you did a good day. It worked on yours, so we're good. That's good. All right. Yeah. Well, make sure you guys follow him. He's on Instagram. He's always pulling pranks on people with Zeke. <laughs> the snake. <laughs> Those Zeke. are great. I love that. Uh, well, how do I get anybody anymore? I don't understand. I have one from the other day that I haven't posted yet. It's kind of uh, blocked out, but you can see the guy's feet just go up in the air when he gets scared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so good. I'll, I'll post it one of these days. But, yeah, it's fun, man. I love playing golf and, you know, messing with people. I'll tell you what. And we won't give away the whole Zeke thing here on the podcast because we don't want people to listen and then yeah, yeah. then know what's what's coming. I'll tell you what, next time I'm out in Phoenix, you and I hit the links. I'll bring yeah. someone with and they don't know about well, Zeke. I'm gonna, 
I'll get you. Don't worry about it. Because you, you'll be so interested in your, your golf shot or people literally like, every time I play, they're like, Oh, I knew you were going to do this. And I still get them because you're like, Oh my like, dang, that was a great shot, bro. And we're talking, I'm, like, I'm not going to tell you what I do because then you'll, you'll be expecting it. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I'll get you. Don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bring somebody, but I'll get you. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. Brian Erlacher. Always. This was a blast. Thank you so much for coming yep. by. Thanks, Jack. Take care, brother. All right. Well, that concludes today's conversation with Brian Erlacher here on the Jack Vita show. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed it. I know I did. It was a lot of fun talking with him. Make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Jack Vita show. We're going to have a lot more content coming soon. Plenty more great guests. So make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita show, wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, you name it, we're all on there. Follow again at Jack Vita Show. Until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dance to the lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>